Hey, welcome to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. And I'm Lorianne McKenna. We are professional screenwriters. We've worked together as a team and separately. We've worked on studio and indie films, live action and animation, from my work on Inside Out and Captain Marvel. To my work in Pixar's story department on Up, Brave, and Inside Out. We are here to share our insights on the craft of screenwriting and also the life. How to not only survive the ups and downs, but thrive. We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey. Hey, TSL fam, producer Jeff here, and we are thrilled to close out the year with a live panel that we did at the Austin Film Festival earlier this year. The panel features Meg and writer-director Joe Forte. Joe is known for, among other work, writing the Harrison Ford movie Firewall and directing the documentary The Man Who Saved Ben-Hur. And like Meg, Joe's just a brilliant kind of story consultant and diagnostician, if you will. So this panel was incredible. As always, I feel like they might as well have been talking about my own work as they were sort of breaking down the ideas of randomly selected folks from the crowd. But I'm just such a fan of this format, and I hope you all are too. If you like today's episode, I would encourage you to check out our other live Austin Film Festival workshop that you can find kind of buried in the feed from last year. But I would even more highly encourage you to consider joining our Patreon. We do these types of story workshops. We try to do them every couple of months. Um, But if you join our Patreon, you get to attend these workshops live. You'll be eligible to to be selected in the same way that the listeners um, in today's audience were. And there's also a backlog of like up to 10 other story workshops that we did like this. I just think the Patreon is a really cool way to deepen the TSL experience and even interact with Meg and Lori and another TSL community members to remind you that you are not alone. So thanks as always for being a listener. uh, And we hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did. And now I introduce to y'all Meg LaFove and Joe Forte. Hi, guys. Okay, so so what we're going to do today is we're not here to teach you how to pitch. I mean, if that's something you want, you can tell Colin, we'll do it next year. But um, we're here to really just workshop your story with you and give you ideas and ask you the questions that would uh, roll through our head as writers uh, and creators if that was our idea. Does that make sense? So you'll just come up here, sit with us. We'll have a chat. Um, I'm realizing I need a timekeeper. Sorry, guys, I'm a little disorganized today. You want to be my timekeeper? Okay. We should keep it to, like, 10 or 15 minutes for each one, just so we can get through as many as possible. So, I know, it's not specific. 12 and a half minutes. 12 and a half minutes. 12 and a half minutes. Um, That's what we like to call this section of the show. (laughs) Um, So, uh, let's just say, raise your hand at the 12-minute mark or yell Meg or something. Yes, perfect. Yes, it's Megan Reese. Okay, so um, the only co- the only thing to do is tell us at the beginning, kind of TV or movie, so we know what we're talking about, and uh, just any kind of tone reference, you know, if you want to just tell us the genre, just so we can get in the the boat with you. Come All right. <laughs> Good morning. Am I on? Hello. You are. Oh, okay. All right. Hi. Hi. Um, yeah, I'm so Megan. I have a, a one hour pilot. Um, I say that the comps are the wire meets orange is the new black. Um, but I did that in my pitch contest and they're like, we don't like those comps. So <laughs> I don't know. But 
the reason I say The Wire is because uh, it's set in Oakland, and Oakland is the backdrop. And I wanted to take a look at some of the things that are going on in Oakland, um, gentrification, and how that's impacting some people more than others. Um, so I am a therapist turned activist. And this work, this pilot, is based on some of the things that I um, have been thinking about as, a, as an activist. And so it has a social justice framework. But I'm telling it through an ensemble of women firefighters. Okay. Um, and so it's, you know, it's got to have to be procedural because it's a fire show. Um, but it's really, um, I really wanted to make it very character driven. So, um, okay, what am I supposed to say? Okay, that's all right. <laughs> okay, so what, give me, who are kind of the, the main characters? Just tell me like the four top main characters right. of the show. Yep, so I've got uh, the captain is Loretta. Um, she turns 40 in the pilot, um, and w when we meet her, she's like, you know, she's all tatted. She's a motorcycle riding uh, person. She is always going to be first in the fire. She must save lives. Um, she lost her entire family as a teenager, and so saving lives is like all she cares about. Um, and we open in the teaser with uh, there's, a, there's an incident where there's been a shooting, and there's an overturned car, and there's kids trapped inside and police are blocking first responders from getting in there because the, it's an active shooter situation. And she just pushes over a cop and goes for it and they start doing their thing. Um, and that sort of causes a little verbal altercation with the cop later um, and, and she just doesn't give a fuck. So she's like, you know, bag of dicks and she runs away. <laughs> but it got videotaped. So there's a, a video going around It's kind of making the waves and getting more and more viral and that's, um, causing there to be some conflict with the city's mayor, who's running on a pro-police campaign. Um, so that's Loretta. And then her like sort of big sister figure, her surrogate big sister, um, is Lieutenant Dion. Um, Dion is the daughter of Black Panthers, and she's been an activist her whole life. And she's like kind of done firefighting. She's exhausted. She's been, you know, you know, watching kids die in the streets. And so she wants to um, run for city council and eventually mayor. And that's going to kill Loretta because they've always been together. Um, and then we and have. And then tell me one more. Tell me one more. And we have a new recruit. Um, she is a daughter of retired fire chief, so she wants to be the son that he never had, and she wants to be the best firefighter anyone has ever seen. Um, and the women who don't play by the rules are very confusing to her, and she may have an opportunity to snitch on them, and we'll see what happens. Okay, good. So I think the reason they don't like the comps, just this is just a side note. Uh, and I think they're good comps. Um, are they comps for tone or plot? Um, is the tone the wire? Is it quite dark and gritty? And that's the problem. Like I think it's both. So it's it's got the heavy subject material and there's there's grit to it, but there's also some levity that kind of I, I let flow through. Right. I think they're probably looking for a procedural show. I don't know that The Wire would be thought of as procedural. What do you think? I don't think so. Um, so I think their brains are wanting a procedural show, like is this Grey's Anatomy? Or I'm trying to think of a darker, grittier procedural show. Law and Order? Hmm? East New York. So they, just because that's what their brains are hearing procedural and then it, normally I don't think with tone it has to go to plot at all, but for a TV show it helps them get into the slot of procedural, just for whatever. Um, so is the so if it's a procedural so that's good because the engine of the show is we're going to see fires every 
not just show. fires. I mean, firefighters rarely fight fires. Right. So lots of other things. If so it's but it's always going to be about helping somebody right. out Rescuing of a jam. And, yeah. Is it like Grey's Anatomy where we're also going to follow them? Yes. Personally. Yes. Um, is it all women characters? The fire station is all women, but there'll be other characters who are. Not. Right, but the main characters are all women. Yeah. Right, and are we going to go to their ho their home lives as yes. well? Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead and talk. I don't want to be. Um, is this a based on an actual uh, firehouse that's like this? No. Okay. Um, I, I guess uh, my uh, uh, I guess my question is, what's the um, you know um, the the personal side of each of these people, right? Yeah. Like, what what are they struggling with as people, and how does that thematic go to each of the characters? Do, do yeah. have you thought about that? Yeah. So, um, Loretta's big secret is having lost her whole family. She wants to become a mom, so that complicates things because uh, you know, is she going to be a, a a pregnant firefighter um so she uh she's been going to a fertility clinic and we end the pilot with her there we don't know if she's gonna become pregnant or not um i mentioned dion is there anything in the firehouse like um often with procedurals there's something going on in the company or the hospital like the the in Grey's anatomy um the fun is of course she's sleeping with her boss but that they're all competing with each other Right? I'm not saying that's your show. So it sets up a dynamic that I know I'm not. I'm going to tune in for their personal lives. And this is so execution, right? I have to love them so much I want to tune in the next week to see what happens. But there's also a dynamic within the company that is challenging all of them, a contest between them. Um, you know, the th first thing that comes to mind, which is probably the not a good idea, is they're going to close this firehouse, right? Because it's in a neighborhood that they don't have the funding anymore, Again, I'm not saying that's the episode, but it's in there as pressure on this team yeah. to stay a team. That's, that, that is the pressure. The, the mayor wants to shut them down and disband them and have them all go to other houses. But Loretta has worked so hard to get them together, together in a group because they've faced sexual harassment and all kinds of other stuff when they've been in mixed groups. So he wants to disband them and send them elsewhere. Um, and I have in the pilot that other women don't necessarily know that yet. Okay. So it's kind of a battle. All right, well, then she has it. <laughs> what, are, what are the questions that you yourself have about the... Um, the work you have. Yeah. Um, what, are you stuck anywhere or... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm stuck everywhere. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Has anyone read it who's here? They're going to... Uh, I think um, I've always struggled with how much story to dole out in the pilot versus how many seeds to plant for future episodes and where you know where to end it I think has been one of my struggles um, everybody struggles with that everybody even the pros you always write your pilot with not enough in it because you in your brain you're saving it for later episodes and that is a big mistake and I've, I've talked to um, like Marty Knox and will say oh you know you're saving it for the second season and then there isn't one <laughs> right like, there has to be so much engine in the story, in the show, that there could be a thousand ideas coming out of it. So my advice in terms of getting them to be like, this is a show, right? Which is a difference, right? Like, this is a show. It's not just a pilot. It's not just a pitch. This is a show. Is to just let, it, let the pilot have as much juice as you can get in there um, in terms of why I want to watch them every week, right? Um, 
And then I do think plot-wise, there has to be something that I can feel, even in procedural, like I said, that's going to overarch over this, this, this season so that that's what I'm tuning in for, right? I have a Wrexham in my head, which is a docu-series, but somebody's creating that, but I just watched like seven of them. Um, but, you know, it's simple because is the team going to go ahead and advance, right? And so you're holding that through the whole season um, to find out the answer. So, like, at the pilot has to end with I want to find out the answer to the personal problems, and I want to find out the answer to the station's problem, right? Um, and I'm not saying you don't have that, but because uh, I don't know. Uh, but that's, in a weird way, it's kind of, um, and we, we write pilots and we forget, but like, would you want to tune in? And we forget, right? We're so busy writing and being writers that we just don't ask the audience question, would you want to tune in the next day? Um, I would also say, and this is just, for if you ever end up pitching this in Hollywood, I would avoid the word activist. Mm. Because that will give them hives. <laughs> I'm not saying you aren't an activist and there is not stuff in here that you want to do. But generally, especially for network, maybe streamers wouldn't be as afraid of it because they do want to know who you are personally and why this is your personal show and what's your personal and I would also pitch that, like my dad was, my mother was a firefighter, or like why this show, the streamers really want this. I don't know that the network shows want this as much because they're network shows and a procedural on a network show is gonna be with, I mean, literally they're gonna wanna know who's having sex and you know what I mean? Like that, what's the sugar? You gotta pitch the sugar, right? <laughs> Two, to them, like she's in love with her and, but she's in love with him and like, they're gonna want, what's the fun of that? Um, uh, but for streamers, they are looking for really what is your personal in on this? What is the heartbreak that you're expressing in here? Or the wound is the new word that everybody's using, right? So when we talk on the podcast about lava, it's kind of what is that thing inside of you that created this show? That's why you're the only one who can do this show, right? Because if you say firehouse procedural, that could be so many different writers could take that right and make a different show so if you ever get in front of a streamer be sure that you tell them start with why this is you are the only person who could tell this version of a firehouse procedural does that make sense mm -hmm. because and I know that you did with the activism but is there activism's tricky right because then it starts to narrow the audience right now streamers are a little bit more in, uh, available to that because they are they're they're tracking you and they know what you like and they're really specifically going after specific audiences so I, I don't think that but still I think the personal will have more power right because because that that's something they can feel activism is an intellectual idea right so even when you're pitching a pilot and you're not pitching today I'm just talk, using it as an example they want to feel something in the room like, shit, I got to see that show emotionally, right? So that's just general stuff to think about. Um, did you want to add it? Um, I think Meg's right about the activist part. And I think, um, you know, because it implies that you're going to be serving the activism, not the audience, right? And I think what she's saying is, like, you, the, you have to put the medicine in with the sugar, right? So what's the fun? What's the, you know? And uh, I just as a comment, I mean, I think there's an interesting dilemma that, um, you you pitched, which is somebody who wants to get pregnant and is also running into fires. Um, you know, I'd lean into that a little bit more, like those kind of 
um, dilemmas. Um, I, I, I don't know how to, uh, you know, a, a woman who wants to have a baby in a fire, I mean, that, that sounds really interesting to me, uh, a, a struggle. Um, so, you know, lean into those for all the characters and sort of what Meg's saying is how that arcs to the whole show, you know, how, how they're all engaged in sort of a single, you know, save, save the soccer team, but all their different personal stories and conflicts come in. Like, wouldn't it be cool, which you can't do because I'm making this up, if you were like, my mom was a firefighter and she was pregnant with me and running into fires and they wanted to shut her station down and it was an all-female crew. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> I need to see that show. Yeah. And if, if it didn't happen to your mother, just mumble when you say <laughs> that part. Uh, but do and- you see the emotion that you're going for? And again, you're not up here pitching, so I'm not judging what you said at all. But do you see the difference that I'm look, we're gonna, you're going to look for in terms of, and that's a lot of this thinking about story and as you're doing draft after draft after draft, this is what you're doing. You're trying to almost distill it down, right? And everybody thinks, well, it's just a couple of sentences. That's actually the hardest thing to distill down, right? It takes a lot of time to even figure out what you're doing. So it's not just you, it's all of us. Is that helpful? Yeah. Okay, you. good. Thanks for going first. <laughs> You're so cute for that. I shouldn't say that. That's impossible. I was so hungover. I know you. For you look so put together. I had to do this for so early in the morning. (laughs) Thank you. Okay, hold our mics closer. Okay, thank you for telling us. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Um, Hello, my name is Lauren Gardner. I'm working on a movie. It's the first feature I've ever written. Uh, It's a children's movie, and it's got a dark tone to it because it faces families that are going through loss and burden. And the theme is the family has to share the burden or the family breaks. So I come from an alcoholic father that lost his job and just turned to that and he kind of turned into this monster. But they hide it from the kids and the kids can actually like see the demons forming. So in the movie, when the dad moves through this burden and his demon of self-loathing comes out, the kid and her cat can see it, and through Egyptian mythology, the cat can like kill these demons, right? So the kid and the cat try to kill this demon, but they actually hit the father, and then he loses it on them and like locks the cat out, so the can't, cat can't help, and he has a heart attack, and the demon takes his spirit to the Egyptian underworld, and the child believes it's her fault because always we're trying to help her parents. And she takes on this burden and forms her own demon of shame and guilt. And then the cat and her latch onto it and they go into the Egyptian underworld and they face their inner demons together with the father and learn to like embrace that shame, that guilt that we carry for our families. And there's a choice of will the father choose to also face his or will he die? You know? And she has to learn that it's not her fault and he has to learn that he can share the burden with his family. Um, so that's, that's my Good job. <laughs> Good job. I don't always be the one to start. If you want me, if you want to start, uh, I have a couple just reference questions. Um, first of all, good job. Thank you. Um, what is, how do you, where are we? How do we get to Egyptian underworld sure. in, in terms of the world where we, is, 
What's the organic natural? Right. The world of the family is an Egyptian-American family. Okay. Uh, the grandmother's still really grounded in Egyptian mythology. She's kind of the storyteller, the sharing. She got the cat for Layla as a small child. That's backstory. And they've been, it's a very playful, loving family to start. They don't have a lot of money. They're struggling. Um, but the dad's moving up. He thinks he's getting this giant promotion. They're celebrating Layla's eighth birthday. And the grandma gives her a, a heart scarab that let your heart speak true because at eight, it's like the age of infinite where we start to touch on everyone else's emotions and not just ours. And so it kind of opens up this storyline where she shares with Layla the steps of how the scarab can see the light even in the darkest times and ways that she kind of nuance brings in like little stories that will help along the way. So it's kind of grounded from the beginning. It's called Pharaoh because the cat's name is Pharaoh. And so from the get-go, we know they're like flying over Egypt, but it's imagination. She wants to go to Egypt with her family. And he's like, I promise I'll take you when I get this promotion. But then he loses his job and he loses himself. And she thinks it's her fault because she wanted to go to Egypt. You know, she was like, made this promise. And so the through line is the cat and the grandmother in terms of Egyptian mythology. Um, but it's there on page one. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, sorry. I was just going to ask one more question. Um, who would you say the, the main relationship is? Is it between the girl and the cat, the girl and the father? And are we bringing the father back? Does the father, are, do they have an opportunity to save the father? Yes. Is that the goal of Yes. The, okay. So the goal is to save the father, but first she actually has to face her own demon. Right. And then the opportunity to connect with the father so he can connect with like the heart of the child where we find self-love. That's the true love of ourselves that they connect and he has the opportunity to see it and yes they face their demons together and uh but it's a choice like obviously he doesn't have to he could stay and kind of in soul you know how they have the they turn into the little monsters it's like that except it's more talking at you it's your inner demons talking at you um so yes in the underworld they face their demons together and there is a huge from page one the connection is father daughter it's really an exploration. Okay, 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 okay. Here we go. Here we go. Yes. Uh, now I have not read this, so take everything with a grain of salt, all of, of you, right? Because I'm going to say stuff just out of assumption. Sure. That maybe it's in your script, right? So don't take it personally. Yeah. Um, the father can't be the main relationship because he's the prize. Okay. Okay. If you can even just start to get into your brain the difference between the main relationship and the prize relationship, so let's use inside out. Riley is the prize we're trying to save. That doesn't mean she's not an incredibly important relationship, and you have to set up an act one that I desperately want the prize because it is a prize. You have to, so there's a lot of emotion that has to be attached to that relationship, but it's not the main relationship. And really, if it, the main relationship is so important, um, even when I go up to Pixar to, to consult or work with other directors, that's always my question, right? Because you can get so kind of caught up in all the other world building and all the stuff, and it's like, but what's the main relationship? What, what is the, the relationship of act two, right? So Inside Out is an interesting version because it's sadness. Yeah. I'm not saying the audience looking in the theater might say, oh, it's sadness, but you know that you're building the main relationship travels with the main character, and it's helping that character come to their transformation. Do you see what I'm saying? Dory is the, with him, right? And she's often saying stuff that he should be listening to, right? 
But again, you have to code it up so that we don't catch it before, right? Does that make sense? That's so helpful. Okay, so is it the cat? It is the cat. It's the cat, right? Cat. Okay, the other thing is with child protagonists, especially, mm -hmm. Um, I just did a movie called My Father's Dragon. It comes out November 11th on Netflix. <laughs> and uh, he's also, he's trying to save his mother. He doesn't know that he's in the, in the imagination world. He's trying to save a dragon and an island that's sinking. But, um, you know, an island sinks is what a child feels is happening in the family, right? The family is sinking. In our version, we put it up into a imagination because that's what a child would do to try to fix something, right? Um, but it was very important to Nora, the director, that, and I just want to share this with you, just for me to think about, a child cannot solve an adult's problem. And it's too much to ask of a child. It's not appropriate. Mm -hmm. A child cannot change an alcoholic father. Exactly. Do you see what I'm saying? So you have to be super careful of what is your child learning that you don't put that burden on the child, mm -hmm. right? Again, I'm not saying you're doing that, but it seems like you are, but maybe you're not. Sure. Um, so be careful of that. And children, protagonists generally, um, not always. In our movie, in My Father's Dragon, he does have a transformation for himself. Of So it, children, uh, protagonists can transform, but in general, they don't. Why? Because they're kids. Transform what? Like, they're still, they're still forming. Right? So it's so often um, the other th way you can go if she's not transforming is claiming. Right? So she's a claiming character, potentially, of her own power. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, so look at Moana. Moana's song at the beginning, she's right. She's questioning her own urge to leave this island and singing about, but I have all of these responsibilities and I should really stay here, but I really wanna go. She's right, right? So she's not, what's transforming is the how. Does that make sense? She thinks the way I'm gonna save my people is going to get Maui. Okay. But what she finds out at the end of act two is no, you're gonna do it. Meaning that, that young person has to claim their own power and really realize how big it is. Oops, somebody's like, that's all good. I'm sorry. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Moana, Moana has to claim her power and do it herself at the end because, um, so that's just something to think about with child's protagonists is really what is that child learning at the end of act two? And any end of act two, I want you to ask, what are they, what is your main character coming into consciousness about themselves? Not the situation, not other people. Because that's not a transformation about them. Do you see what I'm saying? The end of act two has to be about something cracking open inside of them that is illuminating themselves. Now for a child, that's often their own power and they're how afraid they are to take it, mm -hmm. right? Um, but or it can be a transformation, right? Which is oh, I've been using this dragon too. I am the antagonist. Like, it can, you can have it be that kind of thing. Um, I, I have to let go of control or whatever it is. Those are very hard because then you're a third act. They don't do anything. Let me just warn you about control as your theme. <laughs> right? Because if, if you're controlling in act one, then what's the opposite of that for act three? 
not controlling, i.e. doing nothing in the climax. <laughs> Be very careful of this. Um, you can do it, but it's hard. Um, does that, see what I'm? It, yeah, I completely understand that, and I think that's a wonderful note because a lot of what I'm exploring is personally is that it's not my fault. And that going through therapy and things like that, like I can't fix my father, I can't make him change. And her facing her own inner demon is facing the shame that it's not, and knowing it's not my fault. Okay, I'm here's up. the trick. Okay. We have to be in the main character's point of view and we have to believe what the main character believes. It is going to be hard for me to believe with her that it's her fault. I will be ahead of her. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I, will, I will be the adult watching the child saying, oh, honey, it's not your fault, but I'll watch you figure that out. Okay. That is very different than, well, joy is right. Sadness, really, do not touch those memories, which I'm not saying you can't earn it, right. but you have to, then your act one has to earn the idea, and I'm going to talk about this, I'm going to do a whole seminar on this uh, tomorrow. <laughs> um, you have to earn, you have to put the audience so deeply into her point of view and belief system about the world that I believe what she believes. So in Inside Out, I had to convince you that sadness is bad. I mean, think about that. As a writer, you're thinking, everybody walking into the theater, no matter how old they are, has had a good cry. But I have to create the math, the, 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 the truth that sadness should not touch those memories. So we would literally sit for days and just think about what are the bad things that sadness could do. Mm -hmm. right? She's still adorable, because you have to like her, but you just don't want her to touch those memories. I'm just using that as an example yes. of, it's tricky, right? Um, and usually I think what these stories do, thanks so much, is they, um, they create a surrogate for the father that maybe it was your fault. Like, your dad told you not to open that door and you opened the door. Mm -hmm. And we're like, fuck, you did open the door. I would have opened the door too, <laughs> but you kind of opened the door. And shit. Yeah. And we're with her in opening the door, but we're also like, fuck, we opened the door. Do you see what I'm saying? So you create a, you create a, 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 a metaphor, uh, and maybe, maybe it's in your, in your story, but you create a metaphor for the guilt and the shame. Yes. Not directly, because the audience will be ahead of you. Do you see what I'm saying? Makes sense. Okay. Is that helpful? Very helpful. Thank okay, you so good. much, you guys. Okay, I really appreciate this. Oh, you have to pick. Okay, who's next? Here we go. We'll do this one. Charles Copeland, come on down. Hi, Charles. Hi. Hi. Welcome, Welcome Charles. <laughs> How are you? Fantastic. Good. A little hungover. Good, me too. Let's go. Too many whiskeys. Okay. Okay, so the title of my pilot is Graveyard of Empires. It's the old man meets This Is Us with elements of Homeland. It's about the war in Afghanistan. Wait, wait, wait. So is it a feature or a TV? It's a TV pilot. It's a TV pilot. So go a little bit slower. Okay. Remember, I'm hungover. Sure. Just a little <laughs> bit slower. It's a, did you say vampire or empire? Empire. Graveyard of empires. Of empires, okay. So it's about the war in Afghanistan. Okay, got it. Um, so it's an American family, three generations and three timelines. You have a grandfather character involved with the CIA and the Russians in the 80s, a mother character involved in the initial 2002 invasion, and a grandson character involved with the withdrawal. 
And so it, we're going to go over that whole time period in yeah, the show. Yeah, so like this, similar to This Is Us or The Old Man, you've got two, uh, three timelines. So there's three separate stories. In the show. Yeah. Three timelines. <laughs> we, did, we did a time jumping movie together. <laughs> They're very hard. Um, uh, go ahead. I have questions, but go ahead. Uh, can you um, elucidate on the, the three different timelines? Are we in the 80s, the 90s, and the so you've got the, 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 the aughts and the now kind of thing? Yeah, so you've got the 1980s, so the grandfather character, his storyline over the first season is he falls in love with an Afghan woman, and he's trying to bring her to America, and she gets accused of adultery, and he has to watch her die because she gets stoned. <laughs> um, and then when you see him in the present interacting with uh, his daughter and grandson, you kind of see how that's impacted him. So you'll pay, see the competing timelines, you'll kind of see that. Um, with the mother character, she's involved in the initial 2002 invasion. And then with the present, it's the grandson character who's investigating um, the murder of one of his soldiers. So would you say, what connects all of yeah, those? That's my I, question. Is it a show about loss? Is it a show about you can't control, like random events echoing through your life. Yeah, it's kind of like what's the generational impact of three generations fighting in the same war, in the same place. And what's happening um, in the current day that is triggering us moving around in time? So um, I'm going to confuse you here. So there's actually kind of a, somewhat of a fourth timeline where the mother, so the grandson dies in the pilot. So the mother's going back to Afghanistan to investigate that. And because her father's involved with the CIA, she's getting his help. And it's through those interactions that kind of trigger the flashbacks to his time in the 1980s and her time in 2002. Okay, so, and I know we're not teaching pitching, but what, I'm <laughs> just gonna do it anyways. I would start with that. Okay. Because what that does, it helps give me an anchor for the show, do you see? Uh, so I, you would literally, I would literally start that pitch. Again, I don't know your story, but um, I like, okay. I, first of all, this is why it's personal to me. Yeah. My mother was a, well, I don't know, whatever. What is why is it personal to you? Well, it started life as a documentary because I saw a news article that people who were born after 9/11 were joining the military and fighting in the same conflict their fathers and mothers had. And I thought that's interesting, and I had the chance to pitch it to a documentary producer, said, make it a third generation because we've been there so long. Right. And I started interviewing some friends of mine who'd gone to West Point. They're like, well, I'll talk to you, but I don't want to be involved in this. And as I was doing those research and interviews, I'm like, there's a lot here. Uh, maybe if I just fictionalize it, I can kind of tell the story I want So that's to. good. And I'm just going to, you're my guinea pig, sorry. <laughs> uh, but that's not personal. Okay. Do you hear the difference? Right? And you don't have to tell a crowd in a podcast why it's personal, because it's personal. But you will eventually be telling people in a pitch. So it may not be personal in terms of the situation. Like, you may not have personal firsthand knowledge of going to war. And uh, our first pitcher doesn't maybe necessarily have somebody who's a firefighter. So you don't, those are always great if you have them. But it can be emotional. Yeah. Like, emotionally, why this story? Why do you want to tell this story? Okay. Okay, he doesn't want to tell. It's good. Well, I can, I can okay, tell, tell that. Tell me, tell me. So when I was in high school, I'm Canadian, I was in the Air Cadets, which is a junior ROTC program. I did an exchange to the United States, and they took us to the Vietnam War Memorial. And it was just at the start of the Afghan War. And I just saw all these names on the wall. And I'm like, I could kind of see, like, this is going to be the same thing all over again. 50,000 people basically died for nothing. Okay, that's good. That's a good place <laughs> to start. I want you to go even and, deeper. And does, the, does the show... Um, and I want to get back to this 
but does the show take place in the U.S. or is it in Afghanistan? Like um, the pilot has a few scenes in the U.S., but almost all of it takes place in Afghanistan. Afghanistan, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 to echo Meg, I mean, you know, you don't have to be a soldier, you don't have to have been in Afghanistan, but, you know, some connective tissue between, like, what's in your gut and what's in their gut, right? Yeah. Like, what, what, you know, the, the, the characters are seeking some emotional healing time in your life when, you know, you've uh, sought um, emotional healing, you know, so that that, you know, we know you're writing about the, 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 the grist, you know, the, the rest are the details, but the emotional grist of why we're journeying with, um, you know, some, some, something to do with your, your own family, your three generations, your multiple generations, those kind of things. I think that, that, that just, again, you're not pitching, but I think that's going to help you write multiple episodes because you're always going back to, you know, this, this core. And, that's the marching orders for everybody who's going to be working on your show, right? Like, to, to, you know, the DNA of your show is going to be that emotional. And I can feel it. Yeah. I, 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 we, I think we can hear it. It's about articulating, you know, that um, and, and well, getting Well, especially clear. because for them to set a show pretty much only in, I'm just being a producer now, only in Afghanistan, they're going to have to really have an emotional reason to do it. Do you, you know what I'm saying? They're going to have to really be like, why do we want to go to Afghanistan? Um, but if the emotion, like the emotion of a mother going to figure out how her son died and where his body is, is very emotional, right? Um, and then her coming to consciousness, if she's a soldier, she was a soldier too? She was a combat medic. Okay, so if she was a com, she was, she's been in combat, she understands the war maybe, and is she illuminating something about war? The trick is, all of your characters are soldiers of some kind. Yeah. So they have an, ex and maybe this is good. I'm just trying to think, figure it out. They already know about war in yeah. a way that the audience won't. Yeah. Right? So who's the, what's the conduit for us? Do you see what I'm saying? Who's the naive character who or, or, is, is, is be, being introduced? Right? Or what she, like I'm thinking of, you know, Homeland where you think you know everything, but of course you don't. Right, like yeah. I'm a soldier. I was a combat medic. I can handle it. And then when you in the pilot face something that you're like, this is not at all what I thought I was doing. Yeah. Right. Like this is, and again, maybe this is in the show, but this is the kind of stuff you want to grab onto. Like she's a combat medic. She thinks she's seen it all, but in looking for her son, she encounters. You like, know, that's the show. The show is that juice that she's encountering, the shock of it, or the the slow dawning revelation of it, right? Yeah. Because setting is not a show. So... Situations are not a show. I can give the setting and situations of what you pitch to all these people and we'll get all these different shows. Can I was going to say that part, which is, if you don't know what your thematic is and that nugget is, everyone's going to come in and, like, as you're developing it, you know, like I Put could see a father-daughter show. Like, yep. and somebody who has a father-daughter theme who's an executive or the director. So you want to get clear on what that central, you know, idea is, the distillation of it, because uh, just as self-defense, you know, like it could go all over the place, you know, so. Um, yeah, so I kind of need the apparatus for, this is why we're going to go back in time. Okay. Because in looking for her son and his body, she has to confront her past and her father's past. Yeah. And that it's somehow all intertwined. 
right? And you can tell me at the end of the first season, we're going to know this much. At the end of the second season, we'll know this much. At the end of, because they're going to want to hear the seasons that it can last. Yeah, I have the first three seasons kind of mapped out of where I want it to go. Okay, that's good. Uh, another quick question. How much, so if we're in Afghanistan, which I think I like and is fine and is, you know, yeah. um, are we in the United States? Is there a character back home who's sort of, um, one, one, you ever see Black Hawk Down? Yeah. The, the, the Ridley Scott movie, I like, and, and the documentary before that. Like one of the most powerful things was like people are going through insane personal experiences and back in the United States, you know, you're having your orange juice for breakfast, you know, like how, how does the, the, I have the scenes where I'm introducing the characters in America and it's kind of like what gets them to go back to Afghanistan. So, cause she was a combat medic, she now works in a hospital and that's when she kind of finds out her son's dead and she's an emotional wreck and quits her job. And what is she doing in Afghanistan? So she's, knows the story she was given like this is bullshit this is they're just covering it up because she's been involved with similar type of government cover-ups she's like i just want to know the truth so she gets her ex-husband who works as a doctor with doctors without borders to get her to come in and work with some of the mercenaries they use for transporting medical supplies to try and get to where her son's unit's about to withdraw from to try and just like talk to people there so it's a mystery. Yeah. It's kind of a thriller mystery. Yeah, like that's where I don't know if you've seen The Old Man, but it's got a lot of elements of that. Yeah, I haven't seen The Old Man. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I hear it's very good. Uh, it would help. Again, you're not. I'm not asking you to learn how to pitch, but it would help if you said it's a thriller mystery right okay. up top as a TV show. Do you hear the difference? And then I'm like set up. Okay. And the mystery is what happened to her son. Yeah. And investigating it. And she has to go back with her father. We're gonna yeah. time, two generations. Yeah, of she, we're war. gonna jump like and this is us. Two right? different, two different worldviews, two different, you know, and so that's always hitting each other, you know, every, every, you know, this this conflict we're gonna see play out okay. over multiple. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, so again, great job. And it's just to learn you guys. Can you hear every time someone pitches what's where the emotion is where you all lean forward? <laughs> right? So it's emotion meets some sort of plot clarity, like a thriller mystery. Who killed her son? But even in the question of how did my son die, like when you said this is bullshit, yeah. my brain is like, ooh, it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like it gives me character too, right? Like she said, that's bullshit. Right? I'm like, ooh, I like her. Right? So, uh, you, it's it's emotion and plot coming together, right? And and character. You say my son has died that way, and that's bullshit. Is plot, character, and theme, right? So you're trying to find as you're talking and talking and talking about your scripts to people. It's so good to say it out loud because you're going to hear yourself say one of those sentences, and you're going to see the other person go, oh, <laughs> right. You got You're watching their faces to see what's pulling them in and where they're going, <laughs> right? So it's like a campfire story, right? Do you have any questions? Thank you, I saw your hand. Is there, do you have any questions for us before we um, go to somebody else? Kind of one with the grandfather character. He's mentioned having someone in the United States, because right now he's working with the withdrawal, and when you said that, I'm like, oh, I could move him to Washington, D.C., and kind of have it there instead. I think it's a great idea, because it gives you con the contrast that Joe's talking about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> would you would you like to pick the next person? Sure. <laughs> Robert LaRocca. Robert. 
La Roca. Here he comes. Here I'll take that one. Hello. So, um, I've got a horror comedy called, it's a feature, called Craving. And um, A horror comedy TV show or feature? Oh, feature. Feature, okay. And it's about, uh, it's a kind of a gay coming out story with zombies. Um, it's like Love, Simon, thank you. And um, Love, Simon and Shaun of the Dead. But it's also about learning to love yourself. So it's kind of like the gay zombie Little Miss Sunshine. Um, and um, why is it personal to you? It's personal because I mean, growing up and even still now, uh, at my advanced age, I'm like dealing with issues of like feeling less than and internalized homophobia, and that's what the protagonist is going through. Um, he's got this crush on this homophobic heartthrob. Um, and he's got this terrible stepdad. And he's got uh, a loving mother who's very distracted and not always aware of what's going on uh, with the stepdad. And um, to kick the story off, um, the stepdad tries to kill uh, the protagonist. And the protagonist, Samuel, kills the stepdad instead, but the stepdad, for complicated reasons, comes back as a zombie. Um, and um, so Samuel tricks his not too bright crush to uh, think that he's killed the already dead stepdad so they can run away and be outlaws together. So that triggers kind of this chase across Texas. Um, and leads to them to uh, kind of a, they, they come across this like cult of um, the zombie killers who have their own complicated reasons for wanting Samuel dead. And uh, it's kind of like a romance um, on the run. And um, yeah. So okay, it. so is it a on the road movie? It's the act two is, well, the first half of act two is on the run, but it's mostly in the town, the complicated relationships with the family. And then it's at this place where they think they found safety, but they, found, they discover that they're not safe. And then it ends up with like, and there's this pack of, this, growing pack of zombies chasing them, led by the stepdad. Okay, so there's not there's a lot of zombies, not just one. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what is, Simon's the main character? Samuel. 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 Yeah. So what is his arc? What, what does he figure out about himself at the end of Act Two? He figures out that he needs to express who he really is and what he really wants. And when he does that, he literally comes back to life. And uh, he saves everyone else. And he saves everyone else. So does he become a zombie eventually? And then yeah. has to, by confessing this. Yeah, yeah. At one point, I, I play around with the zombie rules a lot, which is the problem I'm having right now with it. Because I play, I did it without, I just like started writing it. I didn't outline it. And now it's like, oh, I have all these logic problems that yeah, I. Welcome. Yeah, welcome. Yeah. <laughs> logic problems. I mean, emotion always wins over logic, but yes. Uh, same question as Meg. Um, what can Samuel do at the end? that he couldn't do at the beginning. You sort of answered that, but um, you know, what what is what is his agency that changes or view of himself that changes that he's like, and, and is that um, uh, sort of being comfortable with who you are, the thing, the action he takes that defeats them? Like how, how I'm trying to tie all those things together into a simple yeah. action. I think what he finds at the end is acceptance. Like after he's 
become a zombie. It's like, he's like, I don't want to be a zombie. And the zombie says, well, you're a zombie, so deal with it. And so it's kind of internal right now, and I don't know how to. I'm getting. You're trying to inter. I'm, I'm getting. To. Um, so is the dad become a? Are the zombies the bad guys or the good guys? Like, do you want to become a zombie? Is the zombie the metaphor for being this all other thing that you kind of embrace and and yeah. love? Zombies kind of a metaphor for like not being who you are, kind of being dead inside, literally. So he's not. He's living the surface life at the beginning, and he's not really being who he really is. He's putting on masks for everyone. And the dad's not the zombie who's just mindlessly coming after him to destroy him. No, the zombies have a little bit more agency at first, and after they've been dead a while, they kind of slow down and, and stop. So we want to be zombies in this movie, which would be cool. Mm. Like, is no, that... we don't want to be zombies. I don't think, yeah, I don't think we, we don't want to be zombies. zombies. So I think what's, and I'm just going to pick up on that, and again, this is because you're pitching, it's hard, but so when he comes into his own, and, and says, I don't want to be a zombie, and they're like, well, tough you are. Does that, is he claiming his zombiness? Is it thinking the zombies are bad at first, but then realizing at the end, no, I'm going to be the best goddamn zombie? Yeah. And, right? Yeah, he's, he's trying to be the best damn zombie. By the end, be. he's trying to be the best zombie. Yeah, so rather than he's kind of like fights his new nature, he saves his crush from being attacked by other zombies and stuff. So, so it's kind of a claiming. It's kind of a claiming. It's yeah. a claiming character of his power, and he is trying to not become a zombie the whole time, but in the end realizes, I am one, and I'm going to be great. And right, Which is fun, because it's a twist on a zombie movie, right? Because we generally don't want to be zombies. So I like the twist of, I want to be a zombie. How does that then square with stepdad zombie? Stepdad, I, I guess, I mean, you can, you can be a bad zombie or a good zombie, and he's like, He's like, if Samuel's being like the best zombie he can be, uh, the stepdad is like the worst zombie he can be. And what is that a metaphor for? I guess it's just like personal choice. You, you presented stuff with life, life, life on its life's terms, and you can do with it what you want. So you can be, you can get worse, or you can make a change in your life. So what I'm trying to hear, because that works for me, is the deep, there's a deeper thematic beyond, I think the, the movie can be about um, claiming his sexuality, for sure. I'm not saying that's not in there. But again, claiming your sexuality isn't quite a movie yet because I could give that to everybody and you will all claim your sexuality because of your own personal humanness in a different way. And what are you saying about people who are inauthentic, right? Is it being hurting. inauthentic? Oh, sorry. No, I'm just, I'm trying to, I'm just trying to Can, get I'll, through my haze. I'll, I'll come in, I'll come in with the haze. Um, I, I, I really like this idea that, you know, the zombie is otherness, right? And, and typically we're supposed to be afraid and that's a monster, right? The zombie's usually a monster that we have to defend ourselves. And I think you're using it in a different, interesting way, right? Yeah. What I think is confusing is that for me, and just trying to get clarity, if he, if Samuel's the zombie, and that's a metaphor for otherness, but if the dad's a zombie too, then I'm losing the clarity of that metaphor. So right. if the dad never becomes a zombie and is trying to get rid of zombies, mm -hmm. then I get the point of view of being an other in the world. You feel like a zombie. People are trying to eradicate you, and at the end you claim it, and you, bet, you, you get your best zombie life. 
Right. Or but the dad, the dad being yeah. a zombie too. Those are kind of two yeah, we're both usages of the zombie, and mm -hmm. I think they conflict. Does that make sense? In yeah. Does my confusion make sense to you? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm waiting for the father is not claiming himself, and that creates the twisted, fucked up version of a zombie. That's Do you see good. what I'm saying? And it's kind of getting clarity on that, that the father has his own heartbreak, wound, inauthenticness, that he, shame that he's struggling with, and that's what created this meanness. Oh. It's what created the, you know, often if people who are fucking assholes, if you just poke it a little bit, there's usually a real mushy wound. Well, their arm falls off. Well, they're a zombie, right? So it's the wound, right, that by his reaction to the wound, is creating a twisted, dark zombie, right? Because he's not a sociopath, right? Because they're sociopaths, but he, that's not what's happening here. What's happening here is he's a, got a, so it's the, the main character discovering the stepfather's wound. Like I almost want a scene where there's a chance to reach the stepfather, right? And mm -hmm. he has a choice, a la the godfather, are you gonna go dark or light, right? And he chooses dark. He chooses not to accept the wound. He will not accept that he's a zombie. He will not. And so now I have to kill you. <laughs> or something. Like now, because I'm going to choose differently. Right? Yeah. And in a weird way, you're putting him out of his misery. Or something. Like, do you see what I'm looking for? Like that kind of uh, wound. Uh, so, so like if the stepfather, the stepfather is kind of a closet case, actually. Because he's married to the mom, but he is attracted to the It stepson. could be. I mean, it could be something about sexuality, but I don't even think it has to be. Right. Why, why is it a stepfather? Um, I'm not sure. Actually. Can you lean into the father-son relationship and like that actual conflict? And, I mean, and I would, he, yeah. and, and, and can you find a way in the imaginary world of cinema yeah. to, to, to pro provide an answer, a roadmap for anybody who's watching this movie of you know, how you could you know, rehabilitate that relationship, right, with the father and son. I mean, you could destroy the father or you could, you know, mm -hmm. help the father see and value, you know, the main character. Right, right. Um, and so just, you know, even that little thought process of I'm going to make it a stepfather, mm -hmm. and I don't know your personal story, is removing the emotional, you know, put it, put it into a father, mm -hmm. and that... That's gonna, you know, that that has potential. Right. Yeah, I mean, so I think that's such a good idea, even just as a writing exercise, is if you didn't give yourself the safety valve of the stepfather and made it a father, see what bubbles up inside of you. Mm -hmm. Because do you see how the brain sometimes pushes it? Right? And so it's just a writing exercise for a day to say, I'm not gonna allow my brain to push it out to stepfather. I think that's such a great idea. Um, and I also I understand you're having zombie logic problems. Trust me, as a as a world builder, I hear you. But I still think there's something deeper emotional going on that I would still work on that first. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the logic can help you actually burrow into the deeper, but generally that's an intellectual exercise. I would still burrow into the main relationship of the movie because is it with the boyfriend the or the is boyfriend, it's yeah. the boyfriend and the father's the antagonist uh, yeah okay and the other thing i would say so i would still burrow into that because i don't everything you pitched the thing that's the least interesting in the pitch is the boyfriend mm. 
and yet he's the main relationship. So part of me is like, well, the hero is also <laughs> tricking the boyfriend, right? Which is another way of pushing it away versus like, mm -hmm. this is, I'm a zombie, <laughs> you know? And then just as an example to sh for all of you guys to hear, thank you, for all of you guys to hear, it's a two second pitch. So if you can't, once you distill down your theme and you can pitch that first mm. eventually, but because you couldn't yet, because it's brand new, did you hear how he, Joe pitched one thematic in with the father and I pitched another? Did you hear it? Joe's thematic that, and this is just for you learning how to take notes, right? Joe pitched in a thematic of the relationship with the father being reclaimed and the father recognizing the son and being seen. I pitched killing the father <laughs> because he can't overcome his wound and release him from his misery. We won't get into our father relationships, <laughs> but did you... <laughs> But, but do you see how what happens in notes? Do you see what happens in notes? So be careful of taking the note too literally because they're trying to find an emotional thing to help you and they will unconsciously, not consciously, put their shit into your thing, right? And it might resonate with you and be like, oh my God, we have the same wound and you just helped me see mine and sometimes not. Right, but all of their notes are gonna start flowing out of that wound that they just put inside of yours. Uh, same thing I was saying to Charles, right? Like people, was it Charles? Yeah. Well, people can kind of, yeah, you can get lost because everyone's like, oh, this is the idea, no, this is the idea. But so, it's very, it's a worthy. Yeah, the, it's the, super the, cool. The grist well, there you. is really great and it's, I mean. I love know. a guy saying at the end, I'm gonna be the best goddamn zombie. <laughs> I love it. Because it's a good twist. It's, it's good fun. Twist. So it's definitely worth the emotional uh, excavation because you're close, I can feel it, but I think there's something else under there okay, that cool. you got a little blind spot. Turn towards it. There's some lava in there. Okay, cool. It's good. Thank you, thank you both. All right, I think we're done, okay? Okay, so. Um, I think that's all we have time for. Um, I just want to let people know because um, we did this last year and people really liked it so much that what Lorian and I did is we started a Patreon so that you can come on and we do this like twice a month. We just let people pitch and people are learning from each other and eventually I hope that people will be able to come back and, and say, okay, I did this so that we can be with you more, right, and help you with your stories in a bigger way. Um, and the Patreon is just so we can, uh, you know, pay for the producer who's got to, you know, put it all together every every week. We're not making millions, I have to say. Um, so come uh, and join the Patreon, and hopefully I can see you on Zoom. If you didn't get to go today, okay, and you still want to go, um, I think we've pretty much gotten through everybody on the Patreon so far. So we will get to you, and uh, we'll do it, and it's fun. So I hope that was helpful today. Yes. Uh, I'm gonna do my I'm gonna do my character panel tomorrow morning. Uh, if you haven't seen it, come and and we'll be there. And then um, hearing pitches and Pixar panel and but I'll, we'll be here. Um, I I can't can't stay too long because I have to run to the next panel. But come tonight to the bar and we'll talk. Okay. All right. Bye. As we make our way out today, I just wanted to say a very special thanks to both Colin and Travis over at AFF. Colin oversees programming and Travis provided our beautiful audio for today's episode. So thanks to both of them. And of course, thanks to all of you for being our amazing TSL audience. 
I wanted to reiterate that if you liked today's episode, I'd highly encourage you checking out the Patreon. I will link it in the description below. But if not, we can't wait for an amazing 2023 with all of you. We've been planning some amazing themes for different months and, you know, pitching some amazing guests. So it's going to be a great year and we would not be doing it if it weren't for you. So thanks for being on the ride with us. And on behalf of Lorian, I would love to say, remember, you are not alone and keep writing.